Hi, everybody, and welcome to the second uh, presentation WebEx in the Innovation Compounding Institute on Sexual Medicine. Today, we'll be discussing treatment of sexual problems. I am Dr. Michael Critchman. I'm a board-certified OBGYN, sexual medicine uh, physician, counselor, and author as well. I have uh, a variety of clinical practices in Southern California. Uh, and I've uh, focused my career on the evaluation and assessment of those who have sexual problems. So it's a pleasure. Uh, I want to thank Innovation Compounding for the opportunity to present this lecture series to um, all of you. And uh, should you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to Innovation Compounding as well. So as we saw in the first um, uh, WebEx, we did see that um, there's a variety of contributing factors that influence sexual function from medical history, family beliefs, partner relationship, uh, even your psychological well-being. Stress is a very big factor as well as privacy, how you view yourself as a sexual person, as well as medications and um, your partner availability. In addition, hormones are priming the system to act and react. There's a variety of different uh, hormones, neurotransmitters that work in tandem. And we're going to shift our focus for today's lecture and talk about the treatment paradigm of how uh, really to begin the, the, the treatment of uh, sexual problems. And really, um, it is a multifactorial problem, so the treatment should be multifactorial. And as you see, this is not a sequential paradigm where A first, then B, then C. This is really a, what I would call a sun. And really what the new thinking is that you have to think of all of these potential treatments that are going to be working in tandem. And again, you can do them sequentially. You can do them uh, from uh, the less uh, aggressive, more conservative to more aggressive approach. And again, involve a multi-layered uh, treatment approach for the treatment of sexual problems. This is a paradigm that I developed. It really starts at the concept that many people will come in and say we're not sexually active, but if you go back and look at their history, they are not really physically intimate at all. They don't spend time together. So rebuilding sexuality starts from the beginning where physical intimacy, spending time in the same place, um, you know, not uh, being interacting over uh, the television at dinner. Emotional intimacy is sharing and caring, really not on an operational aspect of uh, who's managing the soccer or the uh, tennis lessons or the mortgage or the payments, but really talking about our one, three, five-year goal with your partner. Sensual intimacy is a prelude to sexual intimacy, really about uh, hugging, kissing, touching, walking hand in hand, the sensual gestures, which are very important in overall daily uh, intimacy and relationships. And then finally, we talk about sexual intimacy, uh, oral sex, manual stimulation, uh, intercourse, and the like. So we're going to shift gears and look and see what is uh, the availability of our um, overall treatment paradigm. So again, I'm going to give you a comprehensive treatment paradigm of where to look and where to start with everything. 
So I really believe that sexual health and general health are very much intertwined. About 15% of those who come into my office leave with a chronic condition. So really buffing and shining someone from a medical perspective is very important. Looking and ruling out hypertension, diabetes, thyroid dysfunction is certainly very important. And as North Americans, we have become pill poppers. We uh, take many medications and these may have direct influence on our sexual function. These are typically temporally associated, meaning they are associated with, I started a medication and about five, six weeks later, they have an issue. One of the best resources is sexual pharmacology. It's like the PDR. And again, you can look up the medication and see where it impacts the sexual response cycle. We know a lot of women especially are on SSRIs and they've been on for quite some time and they may not necessarily need them. But again, don't underestimate the impact of quelling or decreasing sexual arousal, libido, uh, et cetera, with unnecessary uh, medication use. And again, here is just a very small list of medications uh, that can influence sexual functioning. Uh, we know that there are over 300 medications that we readily prescribe that are associated with vaginal dryness. Uh, we also know that some women have uh, changes in their testosterone levels after we prescribe combined oral contraceptive pills, and this might lead to a lowered libido as well. So again, that remains controversial, but again, here is a, a really a, a diverse list of medications which may be impactful on the sexual response. So looking for alternatives that may be less offensive is certainly very important in the treatment paradigm. What are some easy things that we can always suggest to our patients to improve sexual function? Well, we know physical activity, social support, a Mediterranean diet focusing on fruits, vegetables, berries, fruit, uh, and um, uh, olive oil certainly has been associated in the medical literature with improved sexual function. We know that sleep difficulties, inactivity, depression, obesity certainly are associated with lowered sexual interest, sexual activity as well. And addressing these medical concerns is certainly a paramount concern. We also want to look at behavior and see what we're doing in our day-to-day -day lives to see what we're doing to sabotage our intimate relationship. Are we overworking? Are we poor time management? Do we have issues related to stress? Um, and again, Trying to find a happy life-work balance is certainly very important, but again, uh, looking at how we relate with our environment, how we relate with work, how we relate with our partners uh, is certainly very important to see, it. are we optimizing the opportunity to be sexually intimate? And again, pain management is certainly vital and quite important in the overall paradigm. We need to kind of make sure that we are uh, controlling pain for those that may need it. Some people have chronic pelvic floor hypertonus, and we will certainly discuss sexual pain syndromes in the future, as well as breast cancer patients who may have lymphedema or those who have undergone pelvic radiation may have lower extremity lymphedema, which may make mobility very challenging. We know that structured sexual tasks certainly can be helpful. We know that sensory focusing, guided imagery, as well as relaxation, practicing mindfulness is certainly very important. Um, we know that um, sexual accessories are certainly important as well. Um, and um, 
these are just some that are uh, available. And we know that self-stimulators certainly are very important in the overall treatment. Here are some statistics. Over 50% of women use it. They're more likely to be uh, sexually healthy and uh, have a gynecological exam. Um, and the majority never have any uh, genital uh, issues. They've been significantly um, positive effect for desire, arousal, lubrication, and the amount of stimulation uh, may vary as a woman uh, changes in terms of her age and hormonal environment. We also know that men typically will use vibrators as well, and almost 50% have incorporated into solar or partnered activity. And again, they're more likely to be engaging in health, uh, sexual health promotion like testicular exams. And again, many men enjoy uh, stimulation, both of the testicular area as well as the scrotum uh, and penile shaft in terms of arousal as well. So uh, I think that's very important in terms of uh, global understanding of how self-stimulators fit into the uh, treatment paradigm. We do have a lot of other accessories, and again, this is just a smatter of some of them. Uh, you can see some of them are therapeutic, the uh, uh, white and red rings. These are the come close rings. These are for collision dyspnea. Some people have a foreshortened vaginal canal secondary to radiation or surgery, and this may prevent deep penetration. There's lingerie associated with mastectomies, special uh, lingerie for those who have ostomies. We have people and self-stimulators for people who have limited mobility due to changes in uh, their uh, dexterity, their sexual furniture as well for people who may not be as mobile as uh, possible. So again, there's therapeutic ones and there's also things for imagination, for erotica to enhance sexual activity as well. We know that vaginal dilators certainly are very important. They help reconnect the brain and body. Very often women will present with pelvic floor hypertonus and they have spasm if they have vaginal dryness. And again, dilators and a specified dilator program is certainly very important. These are graduated, increasing in diameter to help get the patient acclimatized to having something in the vagina, use a lot of lubricant, positive feedback, relaxation techniques as well. And there's a variety of different uh, dilators on the market. There's the Milli, which is electronic, patient-controlled, increased by one millimeter at a time. And then there's other static dilators. But again, we do know that uh, consistent use really helps people achieve their overall goal in terms of uh, regaining their sexual vitality. We do have to focus on novelty as well, and that is really, um, people say that, you know, uh, sex becomes predictable, it's boring, uh, and again, changes in sexual experience is very, very important. It doesn't have to be something exotic and wild. It could just be the time of the day. It could just be a position or what have you, or incorporating new sexual accessories into a sexual relationship, which can boost the excitement. It changes your adrenaline. It changes your oxytocin. And we'll see that as another therapeutic later on. But again, very important in the overall treatment. Bibliotherapy, uh, some of the books listed here, Better Sex Through Mindfulness is one of my favorites, the G-Spot as well, for those who have changes in desire or arousal. Becoming Orgasmic is also a very good book for those who are interested 
in um, learning about their orgasmic function. So some is erotica, instructional, and fantasy, and uh, really bibliotherapy or reading um, has really been associated with an improved uh, sexual awareness, sexual response, and what have you. So again, pick and choose the books that are very important for you. And again, this is a whole variety of different books that are available uh, for uh, reference, and they give people some uh, instruction or they may provide some uh, erotic release. We know cognitive behavioral therapy is really talk therapy by counselors, therapists. We can have a diverse group of healthcare professionals that provide counseling as an adjunct, and I think that's really important. Um, sex counseling is not sex coaching. It's not sex surrogacy. Um, Sex coaching is exactly what it sounds like. It is, you know, on your the sidelines and you're actually coaching them on what to do. And sex surrogacy certainly uh, is when uh, sex surrogates may have sex with their client. But therapy is certainly not this. It's talk therapy by trained health professionals that are certified um, and have a longstanding history and experience with treating sexual problems. And again, it doesn't necessarily mean that your relationship is in uh, chaos, but I think it is very important to help with the journey of both understanding the behavioral changes as well as implementing some of the medical issues as well. So a good referral source is the American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors, and Therapists for um, sexual, uh, to find a counselor or therapist in an area near you. Um, I think it's important to look at the couple, and again, not to be heterosexist, the majority of your patients will be involved in a heterosexual relationship, and incorporating the partner is very important. Same concept goes holds true if you're in a same-sex relationship. Involving the partner is certainly very, very important. And how you do that at the treatment um, is really up to you. Very often, I let the uh, patient guide the a response very often if they say, can I bring my partner? I really think it's very important to encourage that participation. You really get a lot of understanding and awareness with uh, evaluating and seeing the couple together. And again, we know that if you treat male issues, the woman's sexual problems will uh, improve her response. If you treat a female's sexual problems, the male response will improve. And it's the same holds true. If you treat one partner in a same-sex relationship, the other one will get better as well. With that, I'm gonna conclude. I wanna thank you all for the opportunity to speak with you today. Should you have any other questions or concerns, please direct them to Innovation compounding and please stay tuned for the next uh, series of uh, WebExes in uh, the Innovation Compounding Institute for Sexual Medicine.